I'm going to go ahead and warn you here. We're going to read one scripture, but just kind of keep your marker there. We're going to come back to it and uh, finish off a portion uh, kind of towards the end. So don't lose your spot there. Move to the back, huh? Get out of spitting range. All right. <laughs> so we're definitely glad that Miss Jane and Mr. Bill are back. They, uh, Mr. Bill has got tired of, uh, of laying out sunning with a Speedo, and uh, so he decided to come back. So, so glad those guys are here. So, there you go. Everybody grab a hold of that image. All right, here we go. So, hey, let, let me, <laughs> my wife told me to quit. All right, here we go. Um, wise, yes, yes. So, just kind of give you a heads up here today. Basically, we're going to try to end around 1130 a day. I'm going to ask probably Pastor Brian to come up and close us. And if you don't see me after that, it's because I'm hitting the door to go catch an airplane. So please, nobody get offended that uh, I kind of bust out here early today. We had a death in our family, so I'm, I'm going home. So um, so anyway, so pray for us. Uh, i got to do my grandmother's funeral here Tuesday. So um, the one that you guys always hear me talk about. So. Uh, so please, please pray for us. It's kind of an expected thing, so nobody's shocked. We were just kind of waiting for it to happen. Um, anyways, but still really difficult, right? So, yeah. So let's pray real, real quick. And uh, second time, let's pray real slow, and, um, and we'll get going. Father, we uh, are so grateful and so thankful for your word. Uh, God, we're a people that believe it wholeheartedly. Lord, we believe every single word of it. God, we know it's true. And so from Genesis to Revelation, God, we just invite it to speak to our hearts. And, uh, Lord, today we just, once again, we say we open up our hearts. Why? Thank you for your anointing. Holy Spirit, come and teach us today. And uh, just whatever you desire to do in us, just as we prayed earlier, do it. Uh, we just love you and we honor you. Thank you for giving us ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, last week we started a uh, three-part series that we just simply titled Letting Go. Now, the basis of this series really has to do with being offended. You know, to go ahead and kind of set out the goal here is not to figure out if you've ever been offended. We already know that you have been, right? If you are, if you are alive, if you're breathing, if you're in this room, you have been offended at one point or another by somebody. It has happened. And if you have been married, go ahead and talk it off. You've been offended many times, all right? It's just, it's just part of, it's part of life. So anyway, so the, the kind of the hope, the kind of the hope behind this series is just that the Holy Spirit uh, will come alongside of us and he'll help us identify or kind of shine his light on any offense that we've been holding on to or any offense that's taken up residence in our hearts. Because how many of you guys know sometimes when you get really offended, it's hard to let it go. Yes, that's truth, isn't it? So I'm also believing that just God will come and, and uh, give us the courage and the strength to confront that thing and then also to release it. You know, any offenses maybe that we're currently hanging on to so we can, uh, you know, just enjoy God's best. Because, you know, really the truth is, is the bottom line is, is that it, uh, offense really robs the, robs the blessings of God from our life. We'll just say it like that. So anyway, so we just want to build on a few points that we said last week. And uh, next week we'll dive real heavy and it'll be all about forgiveness. But today I just kind of want to, um, you know, just kind of make room for the Holy Spirit to point out anything he wants to point out. So let's look there at Luke 17, 1. Let's take another look at this. It says, then he, talking about Jesus, and he said to the disciples, it is impossible. Somebody say impossible. 
that it is impossible that no offenses should come. How encouraging is that? That it is impossible that no offenses should come. Now, last week, we said that the word offend means this. Just kind of uh, remind you. It means a hurt, a pain, a wound, or damage that leads to anger and resentment. Now, I want to take a few minutes here, and I want to add to uh, the definition of that word, just so we have a clearer picture of what Jesus is trying to tell us. Because when we stop and we look at the Greek word there that he used for offense, it really uh, paints two pictures. And I want to show you what those two pictures are. The first one is this. It's a stone or an obstacle that is in our path, and it actually causes us to trip, to stumble, to lose our footing, to waver, to falter, and to ultimately fall down. Are you all getting that this morning? The first picture that gives, a stone or an obstacle that's in our path, and it causes us to trip, stumble, to lose our footing, to waver, to falter, and to ultimately fall down. Now, the second picture it paints is this. It's of a small piece. We kind of mentioned this last week, but it's a small piece of wood that is used to keep the door of an animal trap propped open. So kind of if you can get the, the image here, the picture, it's a piece of food or a bait that's actually placed inside of a trap to lure the animal inside. And as the animal enters into the trap, it kind of accidentally bumps that small piece of wood or that trigger, that offense, and the trap door slams shut and the animal's called inside with no way of escape. Are you guys getting the, the image here? So in this verse, what is Jesus really telling us? He is saying this. Please get this. He is saying that it is impossible. Somebody say impossible. That's impossible to walk through this journey we call life without tripping over or falling down. How? Emotionally. Because of some relational obstacle that stands in our path. Does that make sense to you today? That it's impossible to walk through this life without falling down emotionally because of some relational obstacle that stands in our path, either with a spouse, with a child, uh, with a friend, with a co-worker, even with a brother and sister in Christ. He's saying it's impossible not to stumble over those things. He is also saying it's impossible not to see, hear, or experience behavior in others that is so opposite of what we originally expected from them that it literally causes us to stumble, to lose our footing, to lose our strength, and even our momentum emotionally. That's a real deal right there, isn't it? Talk to me. And literally, we've, we've all had it. Let me, let me help you out there. That we've all had these moments where we have these expectations. Maybe it's of a spouse, of a friend, or whoever, brother and sister in Christ, a boss, and a co-worker, whoever it is, that there's somewhere along the line that we have relational equity built with these people, and there's expectations that we have. And, and what Jesus is saying is somewhere along the line, you're going to see, hear, and experience a behavior from that person, that individual, that's so opposite of what you expected. It's going to cause you to basically lose your momentum, emotionally emotionally, basically to, to do what? To, to continue in that relationship any further. There's going to be that temptation. It's going to come and basically it's going to maybe give you another picture. It's going to take the wind out of your sails. We've all been there. If you've been there, wave your hand at me. I could wiggle some toes at you on that one, okay? Jesus is also saying that it is impossible to live this life without having the emotional trap door slam on us to the point to where we find ourselves caught or trapped in a heap of negative emotions, and maybe this is a better way to say it, negative thought patterns, meaning that when you think of that person, immediately it's a negative thought pattern. Anybody ever been there? Once again, it's aimed at your husband, right? It's aimed at your wife. It's aimed at your friend, your child, whoever, a friend, co-worker. Go down the list again, okay? So let me kind of end this section with this, because I'm just, once again, want to give you a clearer picture of what Jesus is trying to say. 
um, and you can read up here. Uh, one Bible scholar actually said that we could translate this verse in this way. So Jesus said to his disciples, it is simply unthinkable. Get that. Simply unthinkable that you would allow yourself to dream that you could live this life without an opportunity to be lured into a situation that could potentially snare you in the feelings of offense, the feelings of anger, the feeling of resentment, the feelings of disappointment. He's saying don't, don't even trick yourself in thinking that it's possible because it's not. If you know that's true, say, oh, yeah. So let me kind of throw a question out there to you guys just for fun. Then why are we so shocked when it happens? I can't believe they they did it. Jesus said it. I believe it. All right, here we go. It's an old song. Anyways, all right, and I can't sing. I'll leave that to my wife. All right, here we go. So let's, uh, let's take a second to answer a few questions here. How do we know if we're still offended? Because that's huge, isn't it? How do we know if we're still offended? How do we know if we're, if we're caught in that emotional trap? How do we know if we're still holding a grudge against someone? That's real life, isn't it? Now, let me give you some things that are just surface level, and then we'll dive a little deeper. But some immediate thoughts that come to my mind is this, and we've all been there. The first one is this, that we persistently have resentful and angry feelings towards someone or toward them. Here's one that's really real, especially, you know, if you have a personality like me, I, because I'm a, an outward processor, uh, I can get mouthy really quick when I get upset. Um, that's why my mama hit me upside my noggin plenty growing up, all right? I got slapped side of the head a lot as a child. All right, here we go. So I did. That's truth. So if you wonder what's wrong, um, just kidding. So, but here's a, here's a basically immediate thought that we're constantly short with our words when we have a conversation with them. In other words, we want to be disagreeable. We want to be disrespectful. We want to be unfriendly. We want to be rude. We want to be sarcastic. We want to be harsh. Maybe it's the way we want to be sharp with our words. In other words, we want to let them know that we don't like them. Anybody ever done that? No. We're Christians. No. No. You're lying, too. All right. Here we go. So how about this? We're easily agitated and irritated with them. In other words, they get under our skin. In fact, the two words I kept hearing when I was thinking about this was this, is that we have a short fuse. We have a short fuse with them. We've got no patience. Uh, another one is this, is when they walk into the room, and if you said you've never done this, you are a liar, and you do need to repent and come to the altar, okay? But, but basically this, when this person walks in the room, of course you throw up your wall, and, and you act like you're busy doing something else. You quickly shift your attention to something and act like you're called up, right? You act like you don't notice them, you ignore them, you give them the old silent treatment, the old cold shoulder, and uh, you act like they don't exist. In other words, it's kind of the underlining thing of this, is I do not want to see your face. That's truth, isn't it? All right, so let's go a little deeper. And, uh, and I'm going to go ahead and, and tell you so you can maybe be free here today. I've done every one of these things I'm about to talk about, okay? So um, if maybe your next pastor will be more spiritual. All right, here we go. So first one is this, is when someone mentions their name, we immediately go over to our filing cabinet, Pull out their file or memory bank, right? And we open it up, and we got it all color-coordinated and everything. And we, and we can go down the list of everything that they did to us. We can tell you the date, the time. We can tell you what the weather was, you know, what we were wearing, what they were wearing. And are, are you with me? And how we felt, what they said, the, the things they did. And literally, we, we do that, don't we? We go down and we find their record of wrongs, the record of injustices that they've done to us. Anybody ever done that? How about this one? 
when someone brings them up, our mood changes. We're laughing, ha, ha, and they say, oh, Jim. Why? Because we don't have anything good to say about old Jim, do we? Listen, the conversation with a person goes like this, because I know we're super saved in here. i got to say this. But a conversation with a person goes kind of like this. I love them, but. You remember that? My, I love them, but. In other, words, I, in other words, it's this. Because I want you to think that I'm a really good Christian, I'm going to throw in those three words. I love them. But then I'm going to add the flesh moment, but. And I'm going to get down to the reality of it. And it's, it is this, because the reason I say that first part, I love you, is because I want to look better. Somehow it really makes us feel better, doesn't it? To say we love them. Y'all getting quiet on me today. Y'all know this is truth. L- listen, the truth is, is that we're sitting here and we're, and, and as soon as their name is mentioned, we begin to search through our record of wrongs and we begin to try to find negative things, negative qualities, negative characteristics about them that we can point out so we can hopefully affect that other person's opinion about them. Because it's this idea that we live with, if I don't like them, you shouldn't like them either. It's true. But listen, we might not know it, but our goal is to really harm their reputation. That's what we're really after. If I can somehow, you you know, whatever, if i got issues with Bob, I can somehow come to Ben, and Ben brings him up, I can somehow tell him a few things about Bob because I kind of want to pull him to my side so he knows, hey, man, that dude really ain't that great. You did it. We've all done it. You know that's true, say, yep, yep. All right, here we go. Another opportunity. Watch this. If the opportunity presents itself, we are more than willing to recall and share the story about everything they did to us. Meaning this, here's what I mean. It doesn't matter if it's an absolute stranger. If there's an opportunity to bring up the injustices that they did to you, you're going to tell the story. You're going to let it be known. If they got ears, we're going to share it, right? Because at the end of the day, the goal is, is I still somehow want everybody to know I was right, they were wrong, and I'm looking for vindication. And, and, and even this, there's a, there's a member in our family, and, uh, and I won't go into too many details in case they listen to this, all right? But, but so we've, we've been married almost 13 years, okay? I'm, I mean, you act like I'm going to mess up on that. First time I told you I like you was January the 17th. First time we kissed was April the 12th. I proposed to you June the 28th. We got married June the 21st. Here we go. All right, so here we go. All right. So now, do you know those things? Do you know those dates? No. All right. Here we go. You were worth it. You're worth it. All right. So. Let's focus. Yes, sir. <laughs> Let's focus. All right, here we go. So basically it's, it's this. Uh, so we've been married that long, right? And, and we have a person in our family that every time we get together with them, they all, always, I don't like to use that word, but they always bring up something that happened to one of their kids and how they feel like somebody did their kid wrong. Now, here's the crazy part. Their kid has moved on with life. And here we are, a decade later, they are still offended at someone that they really don't even know. And that what they're doing is, is they want to tell everybody, they did my, my kid, uh, you know, wrong. And, I want, and, and we don't even know the person. But once again, it's, it's how can we bring people to our side and to our story? Are you with me? Who, who can we get to take up our offense to say, oh, pity me? Whatever. You've all seen it. How about this one? We want God to punish them. 
Now, li- listen, obviously we would never publicly admit that, right? We, won't, we wouldn't let those exact words, God punish them, come out of our mouths because we're Christians, right? But on the inside, get this, because this is so true, but on the inside, we really get upset when God blesses them. You know, you're sitting there, you're, going, you're like, God, do you not know what they did to me? God, are you on their side or mine? He's on everybody's side. Right? But, but listen, down deep, it, it kind of burns us up when they succeed at something that they're doing. Because secretly, we enjoy watching them fail. Am I getting too honest with you all today? We want to see them fail. We want to see them fall flat on their face. We want to see them have mud on their face. Because our hope and the punishing side, the vindictive, the revenge side, says, you know what? I want them to know they were wrong and I was right. It's there. So watch this. If we know all these things are not, those are indicators that a root of bitterness has potentially grown in our hearts. Now, watch what bitterness means. It actually means this. It means uh, an inward attitude that is so bitter it produces a scowl on one's face. An inward attitude that is so bitter it produces a scowl on one's face. I'm going to explain this in a second. To kind of give you another side of this, we are so inwardly infected that it outwardly affects our appearance and disposition. Once again, we're inwardly affected to the point that it outwardly affects our appearance and disposition. Let me give you a really simple way to say this. Jim's name gets brought up. Sue's name gets brought up. And immediately when you hear their name, your face goes, and you roll your eyes and you change your face. That's the root of bitterness. I didn't say it. I didn't make up that definition. All right, here we go. I'm just the mailman. All right, here we go. Let me kind of give you a few tendencies that an offended person has. And we've all witnessed this with people. First one is this, is they see themselves as the victim. They, they, they say this a lot, a lot. No one understands me. No one understands me. Nobody, nobody gets me. Nobody understands me. No, it's the victim card. Another thing is they always think that the majority of people are against them. Those go together. Or they continually feel like they have to justify and explain their actions and their motives. Anybody ever seen that? In other words, they always got to come and say, well, well here's why I did that. Well, well, here's what was really in my heart. And then the next one here is this, is that they constantly try to recruit people. We can't even mention this, but they try to recruit people to their side, their way of thinking. And what that is, gang, is that's really a divisive spirit in an action. That offended spirit turns to divisiveness. And if they can somehow, once again, if I can somehow get him to turn against him, then I'm somehow getting revenge. It's twisted. So these people tend to be defensive. They uh, will find and point out the negative in every situation and every person and even every church that they go to. You, you know, kind of when I was doing this, I was reminded uh, of, of, a, of a family that came to our last church. And, um, you know, surface level, beautiful people, beautiful family. I mean, great people. Are y'all having a competition back there? Look at that, y'all. Y'all turn and look at them. What are y'all doing? All right, here we go. I'm like, sorry. All right. If I offended you, I apologize. All right, so um, 
It's like, who can, who can do the wall thing, whatever long? Anyways, all right, here we go. So we had this, we had this, uh, beautiful family that came to the church. Um, I won't, I won't go into a whole bunch of details, but they came in. And as a pastoral staff, we felt so sorry for them. Man, you're so great. I can't believe those people at that other church treated you like that. And we all threw our arm around them and, and, man, just prayed for them and opened up. I mean, we opened up our hearts wide. I mean, likable people. Okay? He's shaking his head because he knows who I'm talking about. Likable people. And what happened was is the same story that they gave us when they got there, they began to say the same thing about us. You know, and they, and they hung in there for a few years, and now they're off at another church, and they're bad-mouthing us just like they bad-mouthed them. And the problem wasn't the first church that we thought it was them. The problem was their problem came with them, and it was an offended spirit. Are you following me? You know, it was literally, you could do nothing right, ever, 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 ever. And here's why. It's because, once again, all they wanted to see was the negative in every relationship, the negative in every church. And, the, and really what it is, is you'll find out, catch this, you'll find out that an offended person really has a problem with authority. That's truth. So watch this. It's because they filter everything, and this is why. Because they filter everything through past hurts, past rejections, past experiences, and they doubt people's motives, commitment, and love and care towards them. There's this thing that they have a, they have a very difficult time uh, interpreting people's good intentions and even God's good intentions toward them. When something happens, when somebody wants to bless them, they go, uh, yeah, but... In other words, there's got to be a loophole in here. You've got to want something. And they can't just understand that people just want to love them because of them. Am I, am I talking to you today? The crazy part is, and this was so in this family that I'm talking about, but they never wanted to take responsibility for their own actions. Because that's what an offended person does. Once again, they want to point the finger because they live in denial. And what I found out, that people really operate from an offended spirit. They can't ever even admit that they have an offended spirit. Because why? Because it couldn't be them. It's always... And they'll go down their list, right, that they have. So what happens is, is they blame everyone else for their situation and the emotions that they're feeling. They constantly once again point the finger at everyone because it couldn't be their fault. And, uh, you, you know, I'll just say this. Has anybody ever seen the movie The Lord of the Rings? All right. So um, Lord of the Rings, the first one, Fellowship of the Ring. Here's the picture I have, okay? And sorry if that offends you, but I like those movies. And so, uh, but there's this, there's this spot in that movie where Bilbo Baggins, where Gandalf's trying to get the ring, and, and Bilbo puts his hand up at Gandalf, and he goes, well, if I'm angry, it's your fault. That's an offended spirit. If I'm angry, it's your fault, because it couldn't be mine. Because you did this to me, therefore I am reacting this way. No, we are, we are the captain of our own emotions and our own soul, right? All right, so lastly here, and we'll, and we'll pick up some pace. I'm saying too much. But these people will defend their position, their opinions, almost to their last breath. You know why? Because they want to maintain their innocence. That's some truth, isn't it? All right, so, look, okay, so considering all that, I know I said a lot there, but considering all of that, it's really easy to see why the Bible says this in Proverbs eighteen nineteen. It says, a brother offended is harder to win than a strong city. That's so true. Offended or a brother offended or offended brother is harder to win than a strong city. Because when you get around someone like that, here's really, I mean, you're walking on eggshells. And there's that part that's like, God, will you somehow help me 
you know, not to give them a reason to be offended again. Because it's like the smallest little thing is so twisted of what was said. And, it, and then once again, it's something that was this big, comes this big, and oh my God, the world's falling apart. No, it's not. You're offended. Right? All right, so watch this. So let's tag it on another side here. When we read Proverbs 6, 16 through 19, jot that down. You go read it later. Proverbs 6, 16 through 19. Here's kind of what God is saying. He's saying that sowing discord or separation among believers. In other words, what I was doing with those two guys a while ago, that sowing discord or separation among believers is an abomination to the Lord. So watch this. We've got to understand this is really important that we get that if we repeat something with the intention or the motive of separating relationships or damaging reputations, even though what we're saying may be the God-honest truth, God hates it. You get that? Because there's this thing that purity offense taints us so bad, doesn't it? It taints our hearts. So, all right, so watch this. Let's kind of transition here. This is the scary part that if we're unwilling to deal with an offense in God's way. In other words, if we're unwilling to deal with it in the way his word gives us, there's consequences that we pay for it, okay? And here's the consequences. Biblically, there's probably more, but here's six for you today. If you're taking notes, jot these down. So the first one is this, and I don't know why I put the word chance here because it really, chance doesn't belong. It's going to happen, okay? But number one is chance we will sever God-ordained relationships. So in other words, if we're offended, if we hold on to it, even though God has brought that individual into my life to be a blessing to me and to basically spur me on to good works, to draw me deeper to him, however you want to word it, if it's a God friendship, even, even let me say this, if you're married, it's because God put you together. Okay, and if that thing that, okay, you're together and if you let an offense happen there, the consequence is it's going to sever God ordained relationship. In other words, it's going to mess up the will of God for your life. Amen. Secondly, it's this is once again, there's a chance. And once again, the word chance probably shouldn't belong there, but we will lose honor in our hearts for the for the other person, because offense always drives a wedge in the relationship. Say that again. We will lose honor in our hearts for the other person, the other individual, because offense always drives a wedge in the relationship. Let me, let me go like this because this is really easy. Ladies, do you remember when you met your husband? Woo, he's fine. Oh, my God. You know, whatever. All right. He's perfect. And you lived with him for a year. And you looked at him when he woke up. And you saw him in his bad moods and not just, you know, listen, because dating you know, dating's dating, but you get the real you when you move in, right? And, and you finally see them, and you have a chance when you're, when you're tired, and you're spiritually drained, and you're not praying like you should, you're not in the Word like you should, and you have your flesh moments. It's real easy to get really offended at that moment, and what happens is a wedge gets driven in your relationship, and you don't seem as amazing as you used to, right? He's no longer the guy with the cape. Are y'all feeling me today? Y'all know this is truth. Number three, here we go. The third one is offense robs us of our peace. It robs us of our peace. And watch this. Job 3, uh, 3.26 says this. And this really describes an offended person. And once again, this may not be with everybody, but it's with the individual. Um, let, let me maybe stop and say this. 
if the if the presence of God and the anointing of God and, and your and intimacy with God is a really important factor to you, when offense takes place, this will define your life. But it says this. It says, I have no peace, no quietness. I have no rest, but only turmoil. Because what happens is, is the spirit of God that lives inside of you is so in, is so not in agreement with the offended heart, the offended spirit. You can't even lay down and go to sleep in peace. Are y'all following me today? Isn't that so true? Something's just, ah, it just feels, uh, it feels icky. It's like, God, where are you at? The peace of God is just, it lifts. So, number four, an offense will hinder us from reaching our full potential and keep us from functioning properly in our callings and our God-given assignments. i got to hurry. Offense will hinder us from reaching our full potential and keep us from functioning properly in our callings and our God-given assignments. Now, I kind of already mentioned this, but it's basically this. It's because our hearts aren't clean. Our hearts aren't pure. And when we're offended, we don't think right. And when you're not thinking right and your heart's not right and the peace of God isn't there, then guess what happens? You begin to try to fulfill your calling out of your flesh instead of the gifting and the anointing that God's put on your life. And it doesn't work. You, you can, you know, it's kind of like, it's kind of like, uh, you know, they throw the brakes on the train. It's going to go. That momentum's going to carry, and it's going to carry you for a bit. But there's going to be a time where you go, and you're done. And uh, you were supposed to continue to be, still be moving, but you stopped. Are you with me? All right, number five. And this kind of ties into that one. But an offense hinders our ability to hear God's voice. Plugs our ears up. See, that's, that's the point, you know, some, I don't know if you've ever been there, but man, there's been times in prayer that, and even as I'm preparing this, guess what, I'm walking, you know, I'm, I'm searching my own heart through all of this. And the other day I was here, God, if I, if I offended that guy, or God, if that person offended me, God, I release him, I forgive him. God, I don't want to judge them. I want my heart to be clean, God. I want to, I need to hear you. I need you in my life. Are y'all following me? Six is this one, number six. Here we go. It reduces and removes our sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. You know, so, you know, gang, if you're sitting here and you're going, God, where are you at? Where you been? Check your heart. God, who, who, who am I offended with? Who am I upset with? Who am I holding on to a grudge with? Okay? Because let, let me also say this. Throw this in there for you, okay? And this might have been tied. It could have been tied earlier, but... Because this person isn't sensitive to the Holy Spirit, an offended person really operates from suspicion and not discernment. Okay? They really operate from suspicion. And, and there's things like, um, here, I'll, I'll give you an example of, of a time. Um, I, I was having a conversation with, you know, basically years ago at, at, at our church. We had um, one of those trailers that got served as an office at the point because the church had grown so much, we needed them. And so, um, anyways, so uh, the worship pastor, his office was in there. So the choir would meet in there, and they would all pray, and then they would go into the sanctuary. And one day I was talking uh, to someone about a basketball game. Okay, we, we used to do a thing called the has-beens has versus the wannabes. It was the adults versus the kids. And, and I was responsible to lead that thing. And I, and I was, it was a fundraiser. And so I was talking to a woman that was supposed to play uh, with the women's has-beens group. Okay? And I was just joking about the game and basically talking about how the girls' game was just awful, blah, 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 blah. Right? It was just bad. I mean, it was like nobody knew how to dribble. It was just ugly. Right? That's why you throw it in the halftime. All right. Anyway, so here it goes. Y'all didn't get that. All right, here we go. Uh, so, 
Anyway, so I'm having this conversation with this woman, and there's another gal in the choir that walks by, and, and somehow it comes back to me the next day. She's already called the executive pastor, has already called the worship pastor, and now I have a meeting with this individual because I was saying that the women's worship team was awful. Are you all following me? That now, because because I, I, they were practicing in the youth room, and I walked in one day, and I was just standing there listening, and then I walked out, and then they heard me saying this to this individual, and they automatically assumed that I said that what they were doing was awful. And I was talking about basketball. But that's the way an offended person operates. They will make something out of nothing. And here's what she, they basically told me, don't lie to me because I know the Holy Spirit showed me that you did this. Time out. Because you're not listening to the Holy Ghost. Are you all following me today? All right. I got six minutes and I'll never be finished. But, all right, here we go. All right, here we go. Look at Ephesians real, real quick, okay? Because the truth is, number six, we say it reduces and removes sensitivity to the Holy Spirit, but it really grieves the Holy Spirit. That's really what an offense does. Look at Ephesians 4, 30 through 32. We'll put it on the screen just for uh, time's sake. It says this, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all what? Come on, talk to me. Get rid of what? Bitterness. Somebody say bitterness. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate one another. And here's the heart of it. Forgiving each other just as Christ God forgave you. So let me share another verse with you here that I think would be really beneficial. In Ephesians 4.26, a few verses right before this, uh, the Apostle Paul writes this. He says, be angry and do not sin. Getting angry is not a sin. It's what you kind of do with it that causes us to sin. But be angry and do not sin. In other words, God is not saying, let me, I probably should have already said this, but God's not saying that you should like it when people do this to you, when they do you wrong. Okay, He's not saying that. Okay, He's understanding you're going to get angry. God doesn't like it when people do Him wrong. All right? So it says, be angry, do not sin. But here's the part we're going to focus on. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Somebody say wrath. It says, nor give place to the devil. So watch this. This is really another consequence of being offended. The word wrath means this. This is amazing to me. It means a person who brings anger to his side and then embraces it. Here's the picture. Instead of rejecting anger or pushing it away when it shows up, right, dealing with the offense in God's way, this person draws anger to himself and then nurses it, nourishes it, feeds it, and holds it close. It becomes their baby. They nurture it. They take care of it. Why? And and here's the truth. If you nurture it, it will grow. Amen? So listen, so watch this. So fast forward, here's the consequence. It says, notice it says, basically, don't let sun go down your wrath. Don't nurture it. It says, nor give place to the devil. The word place there is very interesting. It's actually speaking to believers. And nobody get bent out of shape. Once again, I didn't say it, but here's what it means, okay? It actually means, the word place, it means believers actually give up ground in their lives to satanic control. Do you get that? That you're literally inviting him in to come have territory in your heart. And I'm not saying you're demon-possessed. I'm not, I'm not saying any of that. But I am saying you can't be pretty oppressed. There you go. There's your word for today. Stronghold. Here. All right? So watch this. The Apostle Paul is really telling us that through offense, the devil is seeking out a specific place, an entry point, through which he can enter our minds and our emotions 
Our soulish realm is really what we're talking about here. To stir up trouble and affect our relationships in a negative way. See, it's this whole thing. Once again, we've got to realize who set the trap. Okay? And it's, that, it's the wisdom that we've got to stop and have the enough, once again, discernment about us to know that these people are not our enemies, but the enemy is. That's why it's called the enemy. <laughs> Yeah. All right. So, all right. So you're still there in, in Luke 17. We've got to land this thing. Here we go. Luke 17. Are y'all still there? I told you to hold your, hold your finger there. All right. Hold your place. Here we go. Complete circle. So considering everything that we just talked about, watch right here how Jesus uh, kind of finishes this thought process. It says, verse uh, 1. We're going to read 1 through 5. Then he said to his disciples, or to the disciples, it is impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they do come. We'll talk about that later. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones, okay, or those little ones. Let me just make this one point here real fast. Offended people have a tendency to offend people. Take a second and see the warning that Jesus has given you. Repent, get your heart right, so that doesn't happen to you. All right? That was a great place to say amen. Verse 3 says, take heed to yourself. Maybe I should have said after that. Take heed to yourself. It says, if your brother sins against you, rebuke him in the right way. We'll talk about that maybe next week. All right? Sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. You shall. You shall. You shall. To kind of, kind of bring back what we talked about last week, once again, if you didn't hear, check out the podcast. But, but remember what Jesus said when Peter came and Peter tried to have a shining moment, says, hey, if somebody offends me seven times, should I forgive them? And Jesus said, no, not seven, but 70 times seven or 490 times. It has a, actually a meaning in the Jewish world that pretty much just means affinity. Okay, forgive them, all right? So kind of take that with this thought here, okay? And I do want to say something about us, and, and, and I understand what Jesus is saying here, but there's other portions in Scripture that would tell us that if we sit back and we're trying to wait on somebody to come and say, hey, I did you wrong to forgive them, we're missing the boat. We're missing it, okay? Um, most of the time what I've found, and you can think personally for yourself, when I've offended somebody, I really didn't even know I did it. Right? Maybe I was joking, maybe I was playing, or I did something, and, and man, they just, they, they misinterpreted it. And so what happens is, is they're waiting for me to come to them and say, I'm sorry. They're never going to get it because I didn't know. Are you with me? And these people are going to live a life being offended. All right, here we go. So here's the point I want to make right here. This whole idea that Jesus is talking to his disciples and this whole idea that they're getting from him about what an offense is and, and what it means to forgive those who've offended you. Uh, watch what the disciples' response was here to Jesus laying all this out for them. Look at verse 5. It says, And the apostles said to the Lord, Increase our faith. Now, here's something really interesting. Unless I'm missing something, I give you full permission to come tell me if I missed it, okay? Some of you wouldn't, all right? Is this, and, and, and I appreciate you being that way because I don't want to say anything wrong. But to my knowledge with the disciples, this is the only place that they ever tell Jesus, increase our faith. 
Okay, now there was the guy that was trying to get his, the demon cast out of his kid, the, you know, where it's getting thrown in the fire and then the water turned around. And that guy said, help my young belief. He wasn't a disciple. We're talking about the guys that are apostles here, okay? That literally these guys saw miracles. They saw food multiply. I mean, you named the miracle and they saw it. And they never said increase our faith for that. And Jesus mentioned something about forgiving those who offended you. And they said, hold up. You got to increase our faith. What a response, huh? And the reason is, is because these disciples, and I think we would agree, is that they felt that they need a greater amount of faith to meet the standard that Jesus just demanded. Because here's, here's the truth, guys. I know I say that a lot, but there's a lot of truth in the Bible. Here's, but here's the truth is this, is that the world, the world and God's kingdom operate so different. And it doesn't matter if you've been saved a week or if you've been saved 20, 30, 40 years. There's still, the, there's still the tendency to want to operate the world's way and not the kingdom way. And the kingdom way says this, that it requires an incredible amount of faith to forgive somebody that's done you wrong. I agree with that. Okay? You agree with that. And it takes an incredible amount of faith to let, let it go when someone is what? When someone's wounded and hurt you. It takes an incredible amount of faith to put that person and that situation in God's hands and say, God, I trust you with them. And I trust you with me that you're going to take care of me in spite of what they've done. Yeah? Especially, especially when somebody is aiming for you. Because I don't know about you, but I mean, I've, I've, I've had a season where someone was running around lying about me because they wanted my job. Because they wanted to be the youth pastor at the church we were at because they thought that would make them somebody. Come on, right? That they, that they literally went around and they were lying about me to anybody that they could because they were trying to get me fired. Yep. And so what happened was I had to put myself in position to go, God, I choose not to get offended with that person. And, and listen, I told my wife, this person is doing this. She said, no, they're not. I really don't think they are because this per- my kids called this guy uncle. This is a guy that came and sat at my house. He babysit my kids and his wife. His wife, uh, well, we'll stop. All right, so anyways, so too many details. But, there, but this guy was really, really close to us. I mean, I, I had opened my heart up. Why did this guy? And uh, so I understand what we read last week when David said, you ate at my own table. I get it. Okay. And what happened was, is I had to go, okay, God, I know, I know what this guy's doing. You know what he's doing. Nobody else sees it. In actual words, I said, God, this guy, and I told Jen, this guy's been trying to be an Absalom. He's trying to take it. And, uh, and, you know, and I literally went one day and I, and I, and I shared something with a friend that was a mutual friend of ours going, dude, am I wrong? Correct me if I'm seeing this wrong. And he goes, dude, you're crazy. And then me and that guy, because then he started it on him. He didn't want his job. He just lied about him. We end up being sitting in our senior pastor's office, and our senior pastor goes, I'll tell you exactly what he is. He's an Absalom. And they got my friend looked at me and goes, well, cute. There's your answer. I already knew the answer. <laughs> I already spent hours and hours going, God, you've got to help me with this because I'm wanting to hit him in the jaw. <laughs> it's not fun when somebody lies about you and God says, don't touch him. In fact, I'll, I'll throw this out there at you, and I really got to be done. But when you knew it was going to happen. So... One day I was praying about the situation. The Lord, I, I, you know, I'm sure this probably happened to some of you guys, but I'm praying, and I just saw Job something. I don't even remember it was, a random verse. I just saw it. And not, I just saw the reference, right? I said, okay, whatever, maybe that's the Lord. Flipped over, and it basically says, pretty much the guy that's gunning for you, go serve him. Hey, man, I heard you're moving. Do you need some help? <laughs> 
But, you know, he did say no. But it was a test to see if I would do it. And so, you know, whatever, I didn't go help the guy. But what happened was, this, you know, fast forward, this went on for about a year, I guess. Uh, he got thrown out the church. Judgment came upon him, and God protected me. And truth is, is God blessed us after that in a really great way. Anyways, take that for what it is. All right, here, here's the thing. Let me maybe kind of sum it up on this, and then we'll read Scripture, and I'll run down a list, and we'll get out of here. Give me five minutes. Here we go. Basically, but when everything inside of us wants to hold a grudge, point a finger, and remember the pain, God wants us to lay it aside and forgive. So look at this verse in Luke chapter 6. I, I don't, do we have it up there? I don't even know. Awesome. Thank you. I didn't know. Here we go. 26, 27 through 28. Here we go. It says, this is Jesus talking. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies and do good. Somebody say do good. I do need my Bible. I got a note in there I need to read Sorry. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. Watch this powerful word. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who spitefully use you. You can also read this in Matthew 5. I would really encourage you to go and look at, go and look in a Strong's Concordance, however you want to do it, blueletterbible.com, and go look at uh, what each word when God says, love those who you know, persecute you, and literally look at the words, bless those who curse you. And notice that he's always telling us to do the opposite. And look at what those words really mean. You'll, you'll be blown away, okay? But he says to bless those. And the word bless here actually means, watch this, it means to speak well of. It means to uh, praise them, to extol them, to bless them abundantly, uh, to basically invoke a blessing and to give thanks for them. What do you mean, Jesus? <laughs> Bless those who curse you. In other words, once again, do the opposite. And pray for those who spitefully use you. So watch this. I told you guys last week I hit a season when that, when that old prophetic guy came, put his finger in my face and said, Look, Jesus is, you know, you got to handle this offense and it's in your heart. And this was part of the process for me. And I found the scripture one day and I didn't like it at all. At all. You ever have those scriptures? And God's saying, pray for him. And I said, God, I don't want to pray for him. Pray for him. I said, okay. And what happened, I go, okay, God, I pray you touch old so. And, and my inside, I want to go, God, get them. Right? And, and I want to say, God, you know, God, I don't care if they're saved. God, I don't, I don't care. Let them burn. Whatever. You, you know, you're just kind of in that mode. I'm, listen, that's a flesh moment. Don't judge me, okay? All right. So, but there's that moment. It's like, man, I just, I don't care about this individual. And God says, pray. So I said, okay. And I try to think nice things to say. So slowly I begin to pray. And I made this literally a daily ritual in my life. And I would call up each person. I would call their name. And I wouldn't say, God, show them what they did wrong. I wouldn't say anything bad. Father, I bless them in Jesus' name. And, and see, in my case, it was other ministers. Father, I thank you for the anointing that's on their life. I thank you for the gift. Father, I pray when he preaches, God, that your glory comes. God, I pray that you would fill his mouth, that you would fill his heart. God, I pray for signs and wonders. And, and I begin to pray for these people. Father, I bless his wife. I bless his kids. And I begin to pray for them. And here's the key, like I would pray for myself. And what happened was, is through that process, God began to change my heart. And instead of seeing them through their record of wrongs, I begin to see him through his eyes, and I begin to have a, a compassion and a love for him that I never had. And, and once again, you've got to understand, I'm not talking about random people. I'm talking about people that, well, one of these people lived with me for years. 
We worked together for years. Jesus, forgive him. Right? And I go, I really say, I said, Jesus, forgive me. And here's the thing. So we're talking about faith. I would literally say this. I've said this a hundred times. Father, by faith, I forgive them in Jesus' name. God, I'm not looking for a feeling, but God, by faith, I release them and I bless them. Am I talking to anybody today? See, what happens is when it goes through this process, what happens for us? Because once again, so much of what God wants us to do is so that we're in a healthy spot ourselves. Okay? So we've got to go um, quick here, okay? Pastor Brian, go ahead and come up. Watch this. Here's what happens. Number one, when we have forgiveness, forgive us men's or it heals God-ordained relationships. We're just going to reverse here. Number two, Forgiveness, when we forgive somebody, honor returns through our hearts. In other words, we begin to have value on them again. We begin to see them in awe again. We begin to be amazed by who they are and who they are in the kingdom. And number three, forgiveness restores our peace. Thank God. Four, forgiveness frees us up to reach our full potential and to function properly in our calling. There's a release there. It's huge, okay? And I promise you, if you've walked through it, you'll know what I'm talking about. Number five, forgiveness opens our ears to hear God's voice. And number six, forgiveness restores our sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. If you can, stand to your feet, please. Pastor Brian's going to, he can say,